You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Here we go, episode five of Not Another Leafs podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Ken Stapon joined by Brendan McCarthy. Brendan, what's up, brother? Yeah, what's going on, Kenny? Just want to apologize out of the gate for waking you up this morning with a phone call. <laughs> I guess that was probably your alarm clock. It was this morning, you know, and I was thinking last night that I always forget when we're recording early, like by early, I mean, it's not super early, but 10 a.m., it's a 10 a.m. start record time. So when I'm working a little bit later, you know, I got home probably around 12, 31 o'clock last night. Then, you know, the girlfriend's home. So we like stayed up, ordered a little, uh, little pad tie, oh. started watching the Lion King. But then next thing you know, time gets away from me. I'm not sure what time I fell asleep. It must have been around 3, 3.30 in the morning. So I was definitely we- uh, enjoying sleeping in a little bit and uh, slept through my initial alarm. So I was happy to get the call from you and uh, didn't miss the recording time. So that's good. Are we talking Disney's, like the original animated Lion King? No, no. I went for the 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 remix. Okay, the one that's uh, CGI. Got you. Yeah, pretty good. My my dog was infatuated by it. Really? She just kept watching. Yeah, all the different just locked in the beginning. Yeah, she was locked in. She was getting low <laughs> at certain points. Yeah, true. What to, am like, I saying? Trying to duck down. Yeah, it was very very cute. But it's always also the worst. Very good movie would recommend. <laughs> It's always the worst when you call a friend or a relative and clearly they're just like getting up from their bunk, but you're all like hopped up on coffee. And it's like, no, I'm awake, but it's like seven rings. It's like, yeah, I've been up for an hour. I've done core. I've had coffee. I'm good. But really, they're just like half in the bag. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was me this morning. So anyways, thanks for the wake up call. You're like my own personal concierge. So we're hitting kind of like the dead points in the offseason. Not a lot of Maple Leafs content at the moment where everybody's just kind of in a holding pattern waiting for the World Juniors to start up in about a week or so. Uh, Christmas right around the corner. So all's been quiet on the Maple Leafs front. So I thought that this would be a good opportunity to look at the all-Canadian division or the Sundin division as the Broadway boys, fellow pod at the pod, Hockey Podcast Network, we're calling it, which I much appreciated and take a look at the division as a whole and rank the different groupings of players. So today we're going to start with the forward groups, ranking them from the best forward group in the Canadian division to the worst forward group in the Canadian division. Right. And we're going to go from seven to one. Seven to one. Yes. So be mad. I think kick it off. I don't think there's going to be a lot of discussion who number seven is, but I think we should go back and forth. Kenny. Otherwise, 
like I'll say my seventh, you say your seventh and so on. Yeah, sure. All right, cool. Just, well, I think it's, ahead. I think Go it's ahead. by all means, you can start <laughs> with number seven. I feel like there might be a number seven for almost every category. Yes. Well, I got to go with the Ottawa Senators as seventh. I think they're going to be in that position for the next couple of years. I don't see why not. And obviously they're in full rebuild mode. I don't think they have a talented forward group to, to compete with, with the rest of the big boys in that division. So they're definitely my number seven, simply put. Yeah, they, they aren't good. <laughs> this is not this is not a good hockey team. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what really what else to say about it. Uh, last year, I was trying to sugarcoat it a bit, but no, yeah. last year they had a negative fifty two goal differential, which just shows you how far this forward group has to develop to become a consistent NHL forward group. I think they had some key losses. Um, Bobby Ryan, a veteran presence in the locker room, albeit his production on the ice hasn't been the same as it once was, and Anthony Duclair still remains unsigned. So you're going to lose Shocking. those guys. Um, yeah, Matt, I do love Brady Kachuk. I think that he is one of the franchise cornerstones that teams like the Toronto Maple Leafs wish they had. He plays with tenacity. He plays with an edge. He puts a lot of pucks on net. He's always among the league leaders in shots on goal. I believe um, there's a, there was some statistic about him and hitting. I believe he's like the only player in the league to have like 300 hits and 300 shots on goal or something to that tune. I'll have to double check the exact numbers, but he just plays that two-way style of game. Big fan of Brady Kachuk, but the bottom line is that this team just doesn't have the depth. I mean, you add Alex Galchenyak in the offseason, the rest of their players are basically just young guys who we're still waiting to see take the next step at the NHL level. Number six, the okay, Montreal for... Canadiens. Yeah, go ahead. Is that the same for you? Yeah, that was the same for me. And Montreal fans will be super pissed off about this, but I'm basically ranking it based off talent. I think that Montreal yes. might be a more difficult forward group to play against than a lot of teams, but we aren't talking about toughness. We aren't talking about grit. We aren't talking about a four-checking style that's going to make it difficult on the opposition. Like it did to Pittsburgh in the playing round. Yeah, I'm looking at it from a talent perspective. And again, some young players that have bright futures for sure. Nick Suzuki, uh, Jesperi Kokaniemi looked very good in the playing round against Pittsburgh. I think that he'll take a big step moving forward. Uh, he had a little bit of a down year last season, but they just don't have the bona fide top end talents. Like Jonathan Duran is not a first line center and they're going to struggle. I think at times comparatively to some of the other Canadian teams that do have the bona fide top end, you know, number one, number two guys in their lineup. Yes. And as you said, they don't really possess a lot of those bona fide high octane star players. I mean, they, they added and retooled a bit in the off season by adding Josh Anderson to that seven year deal. Of course, Tyler Toffoli coming over for Vancouver, but not major, major acquisitions that can really uh, boost your forward core over the top. And in this all Canadian division, that's pretty hard to do. So that's our seven and six, which was probably pretty expected. Yeah, I think this is where you'll probably start to see a little bit of a shakeup in the rankings as far as disagreements on where people are going to settle. Yes. Um, for me, number five is going to be the Calgary Flames. Okay. This forward group has underachieved over the last several seasons. I have a lot of faith in 
Johnny Goudreau as a player. I think that he'll bounce back after a terrible year. Sean Monahan, I think you kind of understand what he is. If he's going, he's going, and you can expect you know thirty goals out of him in a in a regular season. I don't know what the, what they call it, uh, pro pro rated season. He's a thirty goal scorer. He right. won't get that in the shortened season, certainly. And Matthew Kachuk again, like same thing as Brady, like exact same thing. I think a little bit more offensive talent at this point in his career than Brady Kachuk, maybe a little bit more size than his brother, but he plays with an edge. Outside of that, this forward group leaves something to be desired. I put the Edmonton Oilers at number five solely solely because they're so top-heavy, and obviously the focus is around the two-headed monster and Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. But if you're talking about a a supporting cast and a well-rounded forward group, I don't believe they should be in the top tier. And you could make the argument, okay, well, shouldn't McDavid and Dreisaitl pretty much cover that? Yes, but it's not fleshed out among all four lines. So you're going to see I have the Flames a little higher. Yeah, and it's nothing against you know Calgary. I think that they're probably going to be a playoff team, but it just seems that right now they just need to take the next step. As far as Edmonton is concerned, I'm surprised that you have them that low, to be honest. Well, that was tough. When we were setting these up off air, I was kind of flip-flopping a bit, but I – ultimately put them there and that's where they're staying for now could be higher when we do uh future defense pairings and goalies which will be in future episodes but that's where they stand right now for me in terms of the forward group all right for me um smack dab in the middle of the lineup is going to be the winnipeg jets at number four so i think this team has again some very high-end talents i think line a you know what you're going to get out of him one of the most elite shooters in the NHL. And he's going to put up massive numbers on your power play. Regardless, he scores goals, goals in bunches. I would not be surprised to see this guy score eight goals in, you know, a three or four game run. The thing with line a is though they streaky. And I would rather have those, you know, eight goals dispersed over 20 games rather than have him score them in bunches. And, you know, a four game heater where he's just like, he's feeling good and he's playing good hockey. Mark Shifley, uh, one of the be- better centers in the Canadian division. He is a very, so talented, good playmaker. I think maybe slightly, I don't know if he's overrated or underrated. I think he's probably just right because he gets a lot of respect, but people are always debating about where he should be in the rankings of like top centers in the league, but he's an excellent, excellent number one. I don't think anybody would question that. Love Blake Wheeler, love Kyle Connor. Then after that though, it's the depth that becomes an issue. And last year, this team was seriously hampered by the injury to Brian Little because they didn't have the depth behind Shifley to really fill in the gaps, something that's been a detriment to the team. And they had to rely on their goaltending to eke out a lot of wins because they had trouble putting the puck in the back of the net. So the Winnipeg Jets coming in at number four for me. I put the Vancouver Canucks at number four. Uh, I really think their offense on paper really emulates the Leafs. I mean, they're a young, young team, probably even a little bit younger than the Leafs. Now with the Leafs offseason veteran acquisitions, but I think top to bottom from lines one to four, this is a pretty scary offensive group, obviously with, with Pedersen and Horvat and Besser and JT Miller. I mean, the list goes on. They lost a few guys over the offseason and into Foley that were really key for the playoffs, but I still think they round out a pretty, pretty solid, substantial forward group. And that's why they make my top four. 
Yeah, for me, the Canucks, I actually just had one slot higher. I have them at number three for a number of the same reasons that you just listed. And maybe this is a little bit of recency bias from your boy as well after watching that playoff run. But I, I hear that so, too. I was so impressed Absolutely. by the play of Elias Pedersen. I was so impressed by, with the play of their captain, Bo Horvat. I mean, these guys are gamers. They're ballers. They take over the game. And that's something that's so rare in this league to have those difference makers who can just say, no, like we're going to do it tonight and just go out there and dominate shift after shift after shift. Now, I do think that the loss of Tyler Toffoli is going to prove costly for them, but I would expect another big year out of JT Miller. That trade, for, for they got him out of Tampa for a first-round pick, looking like an absolute steal. So they're going to need him to continue. He obviously had a career year last year. He's going to need to continue to build on that. And you're going to need Brock Besser to continue to grow. He's just 23 years old and needs to take the next step to be that elite winger. They're hopefully expecting him to be playing minutes on the first line. So we'll see what happens with the Canucks. But man, when you've got players of the elk of Elias Pedersen and Bo Horvat wearing the C, that forward group is just so talented for me. It's going to give teams in that division a lot of headaches. And the final three here was really tough. But these two teams kind of were switching back and forth for me, but I put the flames at number three because I still think they're really lethal when it comes to scoring and being an offensive threat. Johnny Goudreau and Monahan have been lethal for years for this organization. Obviously Matthew Kachuk is just a better form of his brother. And I still think they have a lot to prove and they of course have, I think better depth than the Edmonton Oilers. Sam Bennett has been a bit of a, bit of a disappointment especially last year I think it was a career low in points but you know I think he still has the potential to be a pretty stable third line center for that team to really round out the forward group remember this is a former first round pick as well so I think the Flames are going to really turn the heads of, of many this season it'll be interesting to see how their interim coach from a season ago Jeff Ward uh, rolls out the lines and sees if he can, you know, if he tries to split it up a little bit and sort of share the wealth. Because in past years, Calgary's tried to do what other teams in the league, such as, I don't know, for example, the Boston Bruins or, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning or the Dallas Stars have done. And that's stacking up their first line with their three best players. Right. And just rolling them out there and trying to get it done. I think with Calgary, it might be time to sort of break it up and try to share the wealth to get a little bit more of an even keel scoring. Because for the Flames, it's really if the top guys aren't going, they got nothing. They got nothing. It's like Edmonton, though, right? It is like Edmonton. But I, speaking of the Oilers, I have them much higher than okay. you. I have them at number two. So for me, Edmonton, it's, it's quite simple. You have the two best players in the Canadian division, likely, in Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, based off their production a season ago. And that for me is good enough to rank their forward group that high. I mean, these guys are going to be good for probably prorated about 230 to 240 points a season combined. I feel like that those two players just in general are going to drag the Oilers to a lot of wins. Now I understand that depth can be a keyword drag. Be, yeah. Drag. Yeah. It's a, it, but that's what you expect out of your top end talent is that you're going to be able to rely on them for wins when 
the shit's going to hit the fan. And that McDavid and Drysaddle, I think, are capable of that. It remains to be seen if that some of their depth players are going to be able to contribute. Kyler Yamamoto, obviously very young in the league, but has high expectations. They got some other depth players. I believe Tyler Ennis is uh, rounding out in the bottom. Former bud. R N H, who has been, you know, he's a sustainable center. He'll get you some points every year. So I like this forward group, but I love Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle, which is why I have them ranked at number two. So that's interesting because, you know, from what I get from this comparing and rankings board is that we're ranking it by skill by committee committee. So that's where I have the Winnipeg Jets at number two. I think they probably possess one of the best bottom, bottom tier, bottom three, four lines in the league. And, you know, this is a team that, you know, we'll get into the goaltender in, in a future show, but like Montreal that carries the team. I think they have not only a ton of veterans on the team, but veterans that are lethal as well. And that can put up major points for you. But why I have Winnipeg at number two is that they spread the wealth and you're getting production up and down the lineup. No doubt Winnipeg has the top end talents. The reason I had them much lower, I think is basically based off the fact that they had such difficulty putting the puck in the net a year ago after Brian Little went down. I think that the depth can be an issue at times for that team. I do love the, I said like the five players, <clears throat> excuse me. I love uh, like Shifley, Line, Wheeler, Connor, Connor uh, Ehlers. Maybe I did rank them too low. Actually, now that I started listing them off, but no, it's a very talented group for sure. And yeah, I think well-deserving of your ranking. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't dispute it too much for me. The, the Oilers were just at number two based off, mainly two players, which I think elevates them. It just depends on what they can get out of their supporting cast, which as we've talked about can be a, a little bit, well, how do we say this? Underwhelming at times. Yes. All right. So that brings us to number Numero one, uno. numero uno. And no surprises here. I mean, Dallas? No, <laughs> not a, <laughs> not a bias from the podcast actually. I'm, I'm sure, but like that's for me, it's the Maple Leafs. It's the and Toronto Maple Leafs. It's, it's the Maple Leafs. I, I don't think too many teams could dispute this. I think that probably likely we'll, we'll have them lower in the rankings when we go through the decor, when we go through the goaltending. But as far as the top end talents in Toronto and the depth that they've added underneath, I don't think there's any question that when you have players of the ilk of Matthews, Marner, uh, John Tavares, William Nylander, and then the complimentary players, who we expect to take a big step forward, such as Hyman, Mikheyev, um, Nick Robertson, who I expect to contribute at the NHL level this year. And you get the veteran guys in there and Joe Thornton and Jason Spezza and Wayne Simmons. It's just a well-rounded top to bottom group, I think. And I expect big things out of this forward grouping from the Toronto Maple Leafs moving into this season. Right. And remember to our listeners that this is solely forward group. So we're expecting the Leafs out of this group of teams to win a seven, six hockey game. If you know what I mean, we're putting goaltending and defense aside, just strictly offense. And we've seen time and time again, Kenny, the Leafs can scrape out seven, six, six, four wins. That's going to drive their head coach crazy, but based on forward, forward skill and, and, you know, possessing a high, high octane offense. It's, it's gotta be the Leafs at number one. Used to drive Mabcock crazy. 
Always. Like, just absolutely insane that this team wouldn't lock it down defensively and they go out there and they play playing, you know, this horse race style, riverboat gambling style of hockey and just surrendering goals at the other end, but they'd win 6-4. And I think we'll see a lot of that in the beginning of the season. You look at a shortened offseason, shortened training camps, I believe they aren't looking to play any exhibition games. They're just looking to jump right into regular season play. I like that. There's going to be a lot of money to be made betting on the overs early on in the season. Oh, my goodness. It's just gonna be, there's going to be no defense. There's going to be no neutral zone structure. Teams are just going to be zipping around on odd man rushes all over the place. It's going to be incredible to watch from a fan perspective. And probably, to be quite honest, plays in the Maple Leafs' favor, given the fact that that's how they're built to play. They're built to play that speedy game. They're built to, you know, get into a 7-6 competition and outscore you and outskate you and out-talent you. It's like where they're going to have trouble, and this is where they've had trouble the last several years, is when they have to slow the game down and really get into their forecheck and cycle the puck and create opportunities from themselves. And like, I don't know, for lack of a better way to put it in that like half court offense where you just have to start moving the puck around, finding gaps in the defense and just grind it out against teams, which are more defensively sound. Luckily for the Maple Leafs, there aren't going to be a ton of those teams in the Canadian division this season. And we have to remember too, there's some teams, I think two or three in the, maybe just the Sens in the all Canadian division that haven't even played since February. So yeah, just there's Ottawa, gonna be I believe. just Ottawa. So there's gonna be a lot of lower tier teams that are just gonna be chomping at the bit because it's like we haven't played in what 12 plus months. And for Ottawa in particular, like they've got to be chomping at the bit to get back on the ice. Definitely. When I look at this Maple Leafs team, though, it's just gonna be so fun to watch. Like, I'm so oh. excited for this season. They've been releasing videos like on their social media page. We actually retweeted one on our on our feed at LeafSpod. Check it out. It's yeah, it's like the remix. They they kind of like remixed the jerseys and they got the music playing in the background. It was like, I was like, oh man, I'm so fired up right now. Just taking old iconic pictures and sort of plugging in new younger players. It was really cheesy. I thought off the top, but then it was like, okay, they're going like flashback to vintage games and then to present games. I was like, okay, okay. Man, it, like got this editing job. it got me. It hyped. did get me hype at towards the end. It definitely yeah. did. Yeah, I'm fired up, man. <laughs> It's like the, Remix. It, it's right around the corner. Like where, what, what was the decided start date? Is it January? I 13th. can't remember. January 13th. So we're less than a month away now from NHL hockey. If everything goes according to plan. Yes. If everything goes according to plan, I'm, I'm the internal optimist in me is yes. showing right now. BMAC. Yes. I'm excited. I'm for with the you, season. man. Yeah. I'm excited for the season. There's just a, a hint of, of bitterness. Cause I, I want to make sure this is indefinite. Hey, what do you make of uh, Pacioretty's comments coming out of Vegas? <laughs> I thought <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny, to be honest. Like they were asking him about the rumors that he's going to be traded, and he was basically just like, "Yeah, you know what? I've I've heard worse." And I just thought that was so funny because if you remember the end of his tenure in Montreal, he was just getting dragged through the coals. His production was down. The media was just chattering all the time about how he was on the block and that he was just a terrible captain for the Toronto Maple or for the Montreal Canadiens rather the media was just all over this guy towards the tail end of his career in Montreal and we emphasized last week how we were surprised that Vegas has him on the block right now but the chatter doesn't seem to be phasing him 
he doesn't give a flying bleep because yeah what was that quote 10 10 years in montreal he had to deal with all of that and no doubt montreal fans are much more ardent and um let's say vicious than other markets like vegas and yeah i feel like in vegas it's just like oh you guys are training patch ready (laughs) oh okay yeah yeah that's that's fine like, you do what you got to do. There's and, like, uh, yeah, there's probably. Let us know when the first game is. <laughs> there's probably four guys at the at the scrum in Vegas. Honestly, where in Toronto and Montreal, they the locker rooms are way bigger. They actually had to build the locker room substantially bigger, not because of the fact that they're just like the Maple Leafs. They want to have a bigger locker room. They did just because they have to, you know, make room for the media. Right after the game. Because there's, I don't know if you've ever seen a scrum. I'm sure you have, obviously. Oh, yeah. You see these scrums, like especially prior to them airing on television. There's like oftentimes, 15. Yeah, a little peek behind the curtain. Oftentimes, like at TSN, we'll see the direct feeds of the cameras and stuff. So before they even get into recording the players or whatever, we'll see them, you know, setting up their position, stuff like that in the locker room. And my goodness, it's it's hectic in there. It's, there has, there a- you know, 30 bodies. Around it's Austin crazy. Matthews. Oh my goodness. And it's so funny to see like, okay, you always know like where the stars are going to be. Cause there's 15 around them. And then you'll see like a, a bottom tier guy. And there's like maybe two with like a little video recorder. But I mean, Max is really getting away from that though. Like think about it. Yeah. It doesn't have to do with any state tax. Doesn't have to do with, you know, minus weather. And he's, he's in Vegas. So he's probably thinking to himself, wow, it's certainly a light sports news week. And he's just being candid with, with how he feels. And, you know, if they do opt to trade him, which was a surprise to me, I'm sure it was to you as well, then it's going to kind of be hard to take on that contract considering there's some term left. But, you know, Vegas is, is probably considerably up against the cap now with the signing of Alex Petrangelo. But I think that was more to just kind of get a get a topic going for this week. Because the last couple weeks, I think we've heard about Pacioretty possibly being dealt elsewhere. Yeah, they're going to have to do something to relieve their cap situation. And you just touched on it. I don't really know how many suitors there's going to be for Pacioretty. Obviously, a lot of people would like to have him on their team based off his production last season. But like you said, I believe he has three more years left on the extension that he signed in Las Vegas at $7.5 million. Uh, if you could just check that from Cap Frenetti for me. But yeah, it's like, I think that that's the case. And with the flat cap, who's going to be able to squeeze that in? And does a contender want to make a trade for this player, you know, at the trade deadline, trying to bolster their top half? I mean, you're going to have to move around some serious money to make it work. If it weren't a flat cap, then the contract is much more desirable. But especially with the understanding that the next three years or whatever it's going to be, there's not going to be any bump. This contract starts to become a really big boat anchor for George McPhee and the Vegas Golden Knights. Well, this just answers our question. Three more years, Kenny at seven mil AAB. So I was 500 K high, but 7 million bucks. Like what was this production last year? It was 30 plus goals. So that's pretty good, but. And a modified no trade. trade? Who's going to be able to trade for him? Was he have like a 10 team? He's like, I'm not going to Buffalo. Yeah, not going to Buffalo, not going to Mini. Not going to Winnipeg. <laughs> oh, remember when Paul Maurice was 
backing up Winnipeg saying like, you know what, every time the opposition and someone comes into our city that isn't familiar with it, they just rip on it. It's like, yeah, I know we have minus 40 weather, but Winnipeg's a good, good place to live. <laughs> like he was full on backing it up big time. And I'm like, you know what? Fair enough. I'm sure he hears that weekly. Well, our friends, uh, a friend of mine's partner uh, actually is from Winnipeg and she's going to school to be an orthodontist and is finishing up fairly shortly. And she is hell bent on moving back to Manitoba as soon okay. as she's done school. Because basically she's saying that the bottom end of her salary as an orthodontist, she's been in school since she was 18 for it. So like obviously very specialized is going to be $180,000 a year on the low end starting out. Wow. But you go to school for 12 years and you want to spend your life looking at people's mouths. Great. That's certainly not something that I want to do. Yeah. How do you eat I, lunch after that? Like, how do you take lunch after looking at someone's grimy teeth for an hour and a half? Oh man. It's like, I can't think of anything worse. Just people with bad breath. They haven't brushed their teeth in months. They're rolling in there and just like rotting, rotting teeth that you just have to yank out. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's bloody. It's stinky. Yeah. It's like, it, sorry, you got five cavities going on uh, here. So I can't, I honestly can't think of anything that I'd rather do less than be in that field. No, thank you. Yeah, I'm. It's gonna. It's that's why we podcast. That's why. (laughs) That's why we're in sports media, rather than that. But you know what? Good for her. Anyways, so she wants to move to Winnipeg, basically because she's like, I could buy a mansion in Winnipeg. Honestly, yeah, you could in a year or two. With that though, quality of life, you could be going out to the best restaurant in Winnipeg, living in a huge house, just dealing. Yeah, it's like a little bit colder, but. The money goes a little bit further out there. Like if we lived in Winnipeg, we could potentially be homeowners. But in Toronto, it's like, we're just trying to make it by. Yeah. It's like, like, oh, beans again for dinner. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, it's like, it's no, no joke. All right. Let's head to the library bar. (laughs) Please. Oh. All right, BMAC, I'm not sure if you have somebody ready to go, so I'll go first this week with who's at the library bar. And it's actually a goaltender in the All-Canadian division, Braden Holtby. Now, Holtby's at the library bar basically because he doesn't understand why there's been this huge critical backlash to the helmet that he was planning on sporting this season for the Vancouver Canucks. I don't know if you saw pictures of the helmet, but basically he had some traditional Haida native art. It's kind of like a, a totem pole, like put on the front of the helmet. Very, very cool. And uh, as a someone who is indigenous, I was not offended by the mask at all. In fact, I thought it was so cool. I think it's just such a great homage to the community, to the native community out there. And I saw that a lot of indigenous people were not offended and shared my sentiments on online. This just seems like cancel culture getting out of control again, where all everybody who's not affected by this all of a sudden runs out saying, this is not politically correct. When in retrospect, I thought it was a beautiful homage to the native community and showing a great deal of respect 
to the area where he's going to be playing now. So Holtby's at the bar and I would be pulling up next to him and buying him his first round, even though he's probably uh, should be buying me my first round <laughs> based off uh, the discrepancy right. in salaries. But he's, he's at the bar right now, just trying to figure out why he needs to get a new helmet for the upcoming season. I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson. He's been basically a ghost <laughs> this whole oh season. God. And um, wow, what a Monday nighter the other night. Cleveland and Baltimore in an absolute shootout, 47-42 the final. Lamar basically has some cramps or maybe some bathroom trouble. And leaves, come back, comes back, fourth and five, delivers a perfect pass for what ended up being the, the game ceiling touchdown. I think it was. There were so many in that game. That was a pivotal point in the game that helped them win the game. And I think this is a turning point. So Lamar, I don't know if he even drinks, but I think he's going to be definitely enjoying some libations this week because even though they're on the outside looking in, Baltimore, Kenny, still in the hunt. Three remaining games on the schedule, not intimidating teams by any means. So Lamar and, and, and the Ravens can certainly turn things around here and Maybe we're going to start to see more of Lamar from his MVP year last year. The only thing Lamar Jackson should be drinking is some Pepto-Bismol. Pepto- <laughs> yeah. Before Fair the enough. game. Yeah. I could not believe what I was seeing. We've all done <laughs> that, that run insane, before. Man. We've all done that run before. Where done it. Like, been it. Where, been where there. You're like, I'm not going to make it. Yeah. I'm not going to make it. Like he's telling the trainer who's coming out of the door to get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> like was, the whole thing was unreal the he way. Said, yeah he says that he went in there to get an iv how long was he gone for yeah he was gone for like half the fourth quarter it's like i was like oh my goodness anyways it, 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 it was absolutely hilarious to, just, to, to see like, oh, I, like I, I can't i couldn't believe what i was seeing but after the game he was saying everybody's tripping you know like he was on twitter he's like i wasn't pooping or whatever yeah, i didn't pull the paul pierce yeah it was just like it was it was unreal but yeah he he, he I, I think he did it <laughs> i gotta be honest no like, doubt I, that's like whether he did or not is between him and god and he came back <laughs> and, and he came back and, and won the game so props to him because he's been underwhelming for the ravens this season so yeah. far but my goodness was social media <laughs> exploding excuse the pun <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Exploding on Monday night. That was just ridiculous. <laughs> that highlight pack was like f- over five minutes. It was just I don't know where you begin. Like I was stressing thinking over it. I wasn't even cutting the highlight pack. Ah, but yeah, you always have one of those Monday night showdown shootouts. You know that's just what the over is like a hundred or something. Yeah, Cleveland has looked good this year as well. Like credit to them. It looks Baker Mayfield seems to be settling in a little bit. As right. a sustainable quarterback, yep. Uh, I Cleveland's one of those teams that I still refuse to believe that they've actually won any games, just based off their history and like <laughs> what they've what they've shown us over the last fifteen years. We talked yeah. about in a prior pod about the rotating door at quarterback, but they look like a decent team this year. They're well within the playoff picture, and we expect that they're a team that's with that running game you wouldn't necessarily want to see in the postseason. And we're supposed to watch the Thursday nighter in some capacity this week, maybe outside with some heaters. Sexy matchup too. Chargers and Raiders, both teams out of the playoff mix. <laughs> but yeah, hey, they were, when they were advertising, I forget which, I believe it was like next week's 
game. And who who's the evening game? It's uh the Giants and Giants and somebody. This- Anyways, Al Tarico or Mike Tarico rather. Al Tarico. Mike Tarico was talking about it and he's like, two teams firmly in the playoff picture, the New York Giants. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's that's what? misrepresenting something. Like the Giants are in playoff contention. But yeah. It's not because they're a good team. It's because they're in a historically awful division. Yes. Hey, I've never, I don't remember in my lifetime watching football ever seeing a division where every team was this bad. Maybe there was a couple of years when I was younger where like the NFC West was awful or it was like the Cardinals were terrible. Like the Seahawks were horrendous. The Rams were horrendous. Like there was might've been a couple of years back, like when I was like super young, but in recent memory and in NFL history for that matter, I believe there was never a team, a division in NFL history where coming into week seven, no team had three wins. And that's where the NFC East has fallen this season. Absolutely dreadful. You should move the New York Jets to the NFC East. Maybe they could win a division title. <laughs> Maybe they could win a couple of games. Like it's a, it's unbelievable. Jets win the division. They didn't register any wins, but they still win the division. Okay. I have a lot of friends in the States who were New York Jets fans. Okay. And I feel for them so badly because it's just been a miserable, miserable. They basically are the equivalent of Toronto Maple Leaf fans in the early yep. 2000s, like through that stretch after, no, it wasn't the early 2000s, but mid 2000s, basically through what, 2014, 2015, like something around there before they just decided they were going to gut the whole thing. It was just a franchise that just thrives in mediocrity. Yep. They get the occasional playoff berth and everybody gets excited and then they get pounded on the road. And then it's like back to the drawing board. Yeah, but Adam at Gase least- has been a disaster. Sam Darnold does not look like he's going to be a quarterback of the future. It's well, just that it's was, a train wreck. That's what I was going to say. I mean, they're, they're a lot like the Leafs in, in terms of growing disappointment from their from their loyal fans. But at least the Leafs got a franchise piece. The Jets thought they didn't. Didn't Darnold go top three in the draft? Top five? Oh, I have to go look at the draft rings. But yeah, he was, he was, he was expected high. to be. Yeah, he was expected he was to expected. be the next franchise quarterback. And the silver lining is that and since he he's not. not, since he's not, it looks like they're first in line to get Trevor Lawrence. So good for them good for because them. like, I guess if you're going to tank, nobody's better at tanking than the New York jets, the Jacksonville Jaguars are also, would probably give them a run for their money, but the Jaguars are like, I could think worse at tanking because they'll find a way to win a game in like week 17. Like they'll beat Indianapolis in week 17 yeah, just to play themselves out of contention for yeah. like the first round pick. It's just like, they're, they're a disaster. Ew. Brutal. Yeah. Brutal year for the Jets again. All right, buddy. What do you got on the docket? You're heading into the station or are you working from home later this afternoon? Working from home. And I'm thankful because as Marshawn Lynch would say, I'm thankful. Um, don't have to deal with the cold weather. Felt like minus 20 out there today. I was walking home last night. <laughs> it was chilly, man. It was uh, it was probably around minus 10. Yeah. Was not, this I was is... on my walk home last night. Like I said, it was, it was a little bit later. It was around 12, 1230. Ooh, my goodness. This is when masks like are nice are a nice winter accessory. Honestly. Yeah. The underrated accessory when you're walking down the windy street. Oh my god. Helps it's so, so much. nice. Not like yeah, the PPE like, ones, like the legit like 
yeah, you just get like a nice cloth mask. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'd say mine are custom. I got you know a six pack, a variety pack from Canadian Tire. Yeah, okay. Came with came with two white, two blue, two black ones. That's what we got too. So that's that's kind of custom. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's custom as long as uh, you just gotta wear and have a lot of navy clothes. Yeah, I found like I'm I'm lacking in the navy clothes department to match my mask to what I'm wearing. The white ones is like those are good for you can you can't really wear those more than once because they get kind of dirty. And you're supposed to wash them every time, but like I don't wash it every time. I wash it maybe like every like second or third time. But the white ones, it's like you can't you, you can't get away with that. I don't really wash my masks. I also no, don't. No, you know buddy. a lot of people. You know a lot of people put it down like when they're taking a breather and put it down like near their neck. Yeah, the neck. I feel diaper. like that'd be like not good for the future. No, it's not. Uh, you know, like I notice, I see that far too often and I'm not like, you know, in the medical field by any stretch, but it just seems a little like, wait, aren't you like putting germs down? Anyway, it just, yeah, a, I just well, take it off. Yeah. Says the guy who doesn't wash it ever. Well, <laughs> I have, I have a bunch that I'll just like rotate through, but like, my I don't goodness. think I need to put it down on my, on my neck. I just don't think it, it would be the right move this has gone too far i gotta get you out of this Mask thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for listening to episode five season two of not another leafs podcast on the hockey podcast network follow us on twitter at ken Stapon at b mccarthy 95 at leafs pod at hockey pod net and we'll catch you next time